0: If you have your Bibles this morning, please turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. And starting from verse 1. As I was preparing this message, um, I realized that the, the passage that the Lord was wanting me to minister on actually has connection to the entire chapter. And so I think it would do the the verse that we're we're going to focus on uh, a dishonesty if we did not go through and see what the chapter is talking to us about. So we just had the faith chapter in Hebrews chapter 11. And Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 begins... Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about or surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses, those who have gone before, those who have been faithful, those who have followed Jesus no matter what, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. This verse sets the tone for the rest of the chapter. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, endured the pain, he endured what he needed to go through, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He he endured the cross, he did what God what the will of God and he received the blessings that was due. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. Jesus never sinned, but sinners did incredibly horrendous things to him and caused him, beat him, and and whipped him and, and caused him to go to the cross. But because he went through this, we shouldn't be wearied and we should not faint in our minds. We should have Our minds said that we're going to follow Jesus anyway. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. He was talking to the Hebrews. He was saying, you guys haven't reached where you're meant to be at yet. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children. My son, despise not you the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. When Jesus starts to talk about to us about something in our lives, we should not despise it. We should not faint. We should not turn the other way. We should not try to ignore it because he has a purpose and a plan for that. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. If God hasn't ever deal, dealt with you about anything, then it means that he doesn't love you. But anyone who is, is serious about following Jesus will know that there are things that he talks to us about. He corrects our ways. When we're going down the wrong path, he tries to steer us back in the right direction. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. It's talking about discipline. It's talking about trying to correct. It's talking about bringing us back into the path where he wants us to be. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons what son is he whom the father chastens not? A son who is never disciplined. A child who is never disciplined has no respect for authority. They go and do whatever they want and don't fear any consequences. That is not the type of sonship that God wants for us this morning. But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you illegitimate and not sons. It's saying... We're not really children of God if God doesn't deal with us, if God doesn't try to make us more like Him, if God doesn't want us to be more holy, if God doesn't want to remove the things that are not good for us in our lives. Furthermore, we have had fathers in our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily after a few days, or for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. You see, fathers discipline their children if they love them. But that doesn't mean that fathers are perfect. Sometimes fathers can be too strict. They can chastise their and discipline their children more often than is necessary. And, but, um, and there are those who get it all wrong as well, but we can get it wrong as people, but anything that God chastises us about or tries to tell us we need to change is for our profit, that we might be partakers of His holiness, that we can enter into the, the holiness that we need without which no man can see the Lord. Now, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous but grievous. That's an understatement. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Listening to the voice of God, listening to the chastening, um changing our ways because of that chastening leads to righteousness in us. And peace. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Don't feel like you failed God and you can't ever return. If He starts to speak to you about something, what we need to do is set our minds to Jesus and say, it "Doesn't matter what you want me to do, I'm going to do it. I make that determination." And make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. But let it rather be healed. We can become spiritually lame sometimes if we don't, if we decide not to listen to what God wants us to do. We can no longer go along that path, that straight path that God has set for our feet because we are no longer choosing to go in that right direction. We become spiritually lame. We stop where we are at and we're not moving forward any further. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, so not just once every now and again, but diligently, again and again and again, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. Bitterness is something that that starts as a little seed and then grows and grows and grows if it's not dealt with. And thereby many be defiled. Bitterness is so easy to get and so hard to remove once. It has taken a hold. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. He didn't see the things of God as being important. He did not see the blessings, the things that should have been his, as being important. For you know that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. His actions, his... His complete disregard of the things of God and the things that God wanted to bless him with meant that he could no longer partake in what the plan of God would have normally been for his life. For you are not come unto the mount that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest. I have struggled with that particular verse, understanding it for quite a long time. Because I am thinking maybe they've left out a, a, a knot. Maybe it was translated incorrectly. The, uh, the way I thought it would, should read is, for you not come unto the mount that might not be touched. They weren't allowed to touch that mount. They weren't allowed to, to go near that mount, otherwise God was going to judge them. But what it's talking about, it's comparing the physical things and the way that God spoke with man before with spiritual things. So we haven't come unto a physical mountain. We can't touch this mountain that we have come to. And that burned with fire or into blackness and darkness and tempest. This is the physical things and the sound of a trumpet. And the voice of words, this is God in the Old Testament. This is God speaking out of the mountain to Moses and, and the, the, the children of Israel. Which voice that they heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. They couldn't stand to hear the voice of God. They realized the limitations, They realized that their hearts were not right in the sight of God. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with the dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. We're not come to that type of mountain or that type of relationship with God. But you are come unto the Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Not something physical, but something spiritual. And to an innumerable company of angels. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judgeable, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. We have come to something that is much greater, much better, and the chastening is much more effective than it was back in the Old Testament. See that you refuse not him that speaks. For he, for if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth back in the time of Moses when they rebelled against God and God destroyed many, many thousands of them, shall, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven. This new covenant is not something that we can mess around with. When God speaks to us, it carries the weight of even our salvation in it. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he is promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifies the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. All the earthly things are going to be shaken. All the earthly things shall be left behind. And only that which we do for the kingdom of God, only that we we follow Jesus in is going to remain. Wherefore we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. I want to speak this morning about the all-consuming fire. Fire can be both a destructive force and also... It can be a refining force. Fire can burn up everything in its path like an out-of-control bushfire. Or it can be deliberately targeted at something that should not be there for the express purpose of making that thing purer. God's consuming fire is of that second sense. It refines. It purifies. It targets things in our lives that should not be there, that are weights, that are sin, that are holding us back from being who God created us to be. It even deals with us about sin that is holding us back from salvation. Jesus will talk to us about things in our lives that he is not pleased with. He will knock at the doors of our heart, hoping we will open up. He will check our spirits, make us feel uncomfortable about certain actions or objects. But it is our choice whether we listen to him or not. He's not going to force us. He has made a choice to never force us to do anything. He wants us to follow Him by our own desire, our own desire to follow Him. Often, we feel that tug in our spirits and we choose to ignore, to explain it away, to justify our actions as not being that bad. But God never changes. His principles never change. He might pull back from speaking to you about it for a while, But it doesn't mean that he's changed his mind. It doesn't mean that he's forgotten about it. When you start to draw closer to him again, when you express a desire to draw closer to him again, when you say that you'll give him your all, he will come back and start speaking to you about that thing once again. We ignore him to our own hurt, to our own spiritual detriment. It damages our relationship with Jesus. It restricts our closeness to Jesus. It builds a wall between him and us. It sets a line that we are not willing to cross ourselves and a line where we are not willing for him to cross to us either. How close do you think we can be to Jesus if we are resisting what he wants to do in our lives? It's like having an elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about. We ignore and ignore and ignore again, hoping the feeling the conviction will go away. And it does. Because Jesus will never force us to do anything. And he will never keep at us constantly until we give in. But he will come back to us from time to time to see if we are more willing to do what will please him, what he wants to do in our lives, what will benefit us. It's for our good. It's for our ability to get to heaven and what is absolutely necessary to our walk with God. Sometimes even our salvation can hang in the balance. With what? he's talking to us about, even if it's not sin that he's dealing with us about. How far can we walk with Jesus if we are continually resisting his will? Have a think about that. In Amos, God is talking to the children of Israel, and he says, can two walk together except they be agreed? By disagreeing with Jesus about what he wants to do to improve our relationship with him, we can't walk together with Jesus at all. We're not agreed. We're both walking in different directions. We both want to go down different paths. We've got our path we want to follow, and Jesus has a better path for us to follow. The truth is, when we give in and allow Jesus to have his perfect way, we will see huge spiritual and sometimes even physical benefits when we stop resisting his will. Because whatever Jesus wants us to change, he has something way better for us in replacement. Mark chapter 10, verse 28 starts, Then Peter began to say unto him, to Jesus, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. We have given everything up to follow you. And Jesus answered and said, Verily, or truly, I say unto you, There is no man that has left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive an hundredfold now, In this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come, eternal life. There is a relationship between what we allow Jesus to deal with us and eternal life. But many that are first shall be last and the last first. We need to do it until the end. We need to keep going. It's not enough to start out like a train, out-of-control train, and then finish up being derailed. It's easy to look at these verses as physical blessings. After all, it's talking about physical things. And the hundredfold figure sounds really enticing. God will give me exactly a hundred times what he asked me to drop? That sounds pretty awesome. But that's not what Jesus is trying to teach. The principle is that whatever Jesus asks us to lay aside in this life, he will bless us abundantly for, both in this life, and eternally the hundredfold is an indication of just how much greater the word is than the thing we lose that we think is so valuable he will give us powerful spiritual blessings and sometimes even powerful physical blessings in return for our obedience and our faithfulness so when jesus knocks on your door and tries to talk to you about what you've been watching will you ignore him When Jesus tugs at your heart about what you've been reading, will you give him a cold shoulder? When Jesus taps you on the shoulder about what and who you've been listening to, is it like he's not even there? When Jesus comes by and asks for your forgiveness for somebody who has hurt you really deeply, will you turn him away again? When Jesus asks you for more of your time to help others or the church, will you just walk away? When Jesus moves on you to give more of your finances to help support others or the church, do you grip your wallet tighter or explain it away? When Jesus checks your spirit about going to that place or doing that activity, do you do it anyway? When Jesus tries to let you know in a gentle way that your attitude stinks, do you give him the hand? It's so easy to resist his will. So easy. It's far more satisfying to our flesh to keep doing the things we have always done, always done the way we have always done it, or the things we enjoy or the things we feel that we are justified in doing. But when Jesus indicates to us that they are not good for us or they are hindering our walk and growth with God, then we are better off without them. They don't even have to be sin. Something harmless could be taking up too much of our time and we have no control over it. Jesus might ask us to leave that behind for our own good and for the good of others. Or something might be leading us down the wrong path, even towards sin, making us more and more desensitized to things that are directly against God's word. Against what he has written for us to follow in the Bible, so we can actually get to heaven and not fall short near the finish line. The truth is, the thing we don't want to let go that means so much to us that we don't think we could live without, is only temporary. If Jesus thinks we are better off without it, it's not worth it. Jesus has 2020 vision. We can be so blind sometimes to our own faults and the effect that what we do has on us mentally, spiritually and physically. Whatever he asks us to do, he gives us the power to do it. That doesn't mean that it will be easy. It doesn't mean that it won't take a supreme effort on our path to actually follow through what he wants us to do. But it will be more than worth it. That hundredfold is talking about greater, far, far greater value in exchange. The exchange is something that will feel a hundredfold or more better when you look back. It won't look like it when he deals with you about it. But when you look back, you will realise why you will realize what he was trying to do in your life you will realize why it was not good for you but being the natural and sometimes even carnal people that we are we often try to do everything but what God asks us to do so many times we try to bargain with God to reduce the sentence as it were to try to find a loophole or do less than what he really wants to do in our lives To give him something else in exchange for what he is actually asking. To partially do what he wants and hope that that's enough. That he'll just go away for a while. But there's a reason why Jesus doesn't want that thing in your life. And he really does know best. Jesus wants to be that consuming fire in our lives. Not to destroy us because we've been bad. Like an out of control fire. But to refine the good that is already in us where he's already been able to take us from bondage and sin to living a life with him. But he doesn't want us to stay in that same state where he first brought us to. There's deeper walk that he wants to bring us to. There's a greater purpose for our lives that he wants to lead us into. No, he wants to make something better out of you and of me. He wants to make us better, more pure, more holy, more refined, burning away the dross, burning away the thing that doesn't belong, the things that don't matter that will cloud our walk with Him to present us as a beautiful jewel. When you, when you cut out gold or, or a jewel out of the ground, it's got all this dirt. It's got all this stuff clinging to it. It's got all this stuff that doesn't belong to the the preciousness of, of what is underneath. And that needs to be chipped away. That needs to be removed for it to be able to show its full shining light, to be able to show its full value, to be able to show its full worth. He is the all-consuming fire, and he wants to make you perfect and a beautiful jewel in his sight. That is the end result. It's not to cause us pain. That's not his result. It's not to to make our lives miserable, that's not the result. The result is to be something that will worship Him, to be something that in the way that we live, we worship Him, something that others will be able to look at and be drawn to Jesus through us because we have been refined. We are something that is beautiful, that people will be attracted to, to live, to be drawn to Jesus. But that fire, that all-consuming fire, is expressly targeted to burn away the rubbish. Just like a laser is focused and targeted to where it can do the most good in surgeries and in construction. He wants to build and shape something awesome out of our lives. If I could get someone to the piano, please. What's Jesus been talking to you about recently? Or even what's Jesus been talking to you about a long time ago, that has just come back to your mind now. What's Jesus been tapping you on the shoulder for, about about for a long time? What have you been resisting again and again, saying, not now, Lord, maybe some other time? Jesus wants to do a powerful work in our lives, but we are our own worst enemies. He can't help us or change us or draw us closer if we refuse to let him. He wants to purify us, cleanse us, make us holy. But we have to be willing to let him. Don't resist his will this morning. Don't refuse his perfect work in your life. You will wonder why you ever struggle with it once you cross that line and allow Jesus to do what he needs to do in us. You will look back and say, thank you, Jesus, for the change. What a difference it has made. But to get from here to there there needs to be a submission of our wills, a willingness to humble ourselves and obey. And that's never easy. There's something about the human spirit that it refuses to bow down. But it needed to be done for our initial salvation. And it needs to be done again and again to take us all the way to glory. Don't resist his will this morning and put yourself in a dangerous place spiritually. Anything that Jesus asks for is not worth keeping, no matter what it is resisting him starts leading us down a path that has consequences even spiritual death especially if he's dealing with you about direct sin and allowing him to do what he wants to do gives us life now blessings now and eternal life in the end why don't you come and pray why don't you come pour out your hearts before him right now please stand this morning Why don't you finally allow him access to all of yourself? That part that you hide away in your heart, that part that you don't want him to deal with. If there's one thing that Jesus wants you to know this morning, it's that you will never regret it. You will never regret following his leading. You will never regret removing that which he wants to remove. It could be attitudes. It could be bitterness. It could be sin. It could be a weight. It could be something that doesn't even make sense. But I invite you to come this morning and allow the Lord to have His perfect will in your life.